these over 90 days of hell that is um ni Grayley kc that is the king's uh, from the king's council on the urgency and irreparable harm arguing on behalf of South Africa's application. Let's now speak to Parashini Governor, international broadcaster based in Istanbul and a business editor at TRT World as we continue with the ICJ court case examining how South Africa's case against Israel has been covered worldwide and Parashini is now joining us on the line. Parashini, good afternoon. Thank you so much um, for making time for us. Um, what's your assessment around how this case has been covered and also um, interestingly today as well, a lot of people looking at international media houses, especially when it comes to TV, and noting that there were the international media houses that would not care, that are not caring or were not caring um, these arguments live today. And the question being, would they be doing it tomorrow? But what's your assessment of what you've seen so far? Hi, Aldrin, and good afternoon to your listeners. Well, I've been covering this topic for over two decades now, and I can confidently say that media houses have always been divided on how Israel and Palestine are reported on. It's always been more than just laying out the facts and substantiating the facts, uh, as we would in other news stories. News uh, news outlets always have their agendas, and uh, in many parts, they've always, you know, been pushed or skewed in favor of either the advertisers or the significant players in a a particular country who wield cash. Today, it's been interesting, yes, as you've mentioned, to see who's covering it live and who isn't. Here at TRT World, we have been covering it live. And um, TRT World, I'm not just punting this uh, about my station, Mm. um, but we've created a space for um, journalists who've been shunned or fired or who have quit their jobs because their outlets wouldn't have... uh, broadcasted their stories. So we've created a space for them to submit their stories because we want to hear different sides of the narrative. We want to hear uh, what people or what other news outlets feel we shouldn't hearing. As you know, it's almost 100 days into this onslaught. And a lot of the international media have not been allowed to enter. Those who have been allowed to enter are doing so with Israeli supervision. We've been relying on Palestinian content creators who've overnight become journalists, you know, reporting on their ordeals from day to day. And we've seen how terrible the situation is. So um, TRT World feels that it's important to hear those stories that, you know, journalists from other news outlets are being silenced and not being allowed to report on. And and it's interesting because also with some of the with some of the footage that has been captured by journalists and the ones that you're referring to, um, whose stories wouldn't be covered by some of their outlets, is that some of the stories that have been covered by journalists have actually played quite an crucial part, an incredibly crucial part in South Africa's submission uh, to the International Court of Justice, including submitting footage that has been shot by journalists. Absolutely. And the clip that you played prior to this interview has laid it out quite eloquently, speaking about the atrocities, speaking about how the global world is failing, you know, those citizens who live in Gaza. And let's not forget, on the 29th of October, an ICC prosecutor released a very heart-wrenching video outside the Rafah crossing. He appealed to Israel. That's about seven days after uh, the Hamas attack into Israel and, you know, 
the onslaught started shortly afterwards, he said that it was dire for Israel to start improving the humanitarian situation in Gaza. He said that it was time to start allowing more aid in. Still, close to 100 days in, there's not enough aid. He said that it was mandatory under the Geneva Convention, and there will be a criminal responsibility under the Rome Statute if Israel continues flouting those uh, statutes. So it's high time that Israel be held accountable. There's been numerous calls for ceasefire, but on a daily basis, Aldrin, we're all waking up to the images and the horrors of what it's been like the night before in Gaza from those content creators. Um, homes have been flattened, close to 40% of the homes have been flattened. Over 1.7 million people are now displaced, living in tents. And um, while it may be sunny and warm in South Africa at the moment, in Gaza, it's cold. It's bitterly cold. It's one of the harshest months of the year. It's cold and it's wet. And those tents are insufficient. And, and and the other part to this conversation also, Parashni, is sometimes as journalists, um, and I think it's a it's a weird expectation to to expect of journalists to 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 not have a perspective on what they are covering. I believe that you can tell the facts as they are and still have a particular perspective. Yesterday, for instance, it was um, the funeral of um, Dr. Um, Doc, Dr. Makutunan. And one of the issues that was raised there was here you had a Peter who was taking photos of what was happening during apartheid, the height of apartheid. But the agenda even there was clear. The agenda was to send a message to the international community about what is happening in South Africa. But today we find ourselves in a space where there's an expectation that um, journalists should remove themselves from the story totally and not have the agenda of telling a story which, which at the core of it also has um, humanitarian rights at it. I think there's a difference there. There was a good example that you raised, okay? Um, Peter was a South African and he told the story of apartheid through his lens and his daily life. And that is what we're seeing coming out of Gaza at the moment. But flip it around. Israel's not allowing journalists to enter Gaza. There is no independent narrative. You're unable to go there tomorrow and start reporting on what you see. Basically, we are seeing what you know Palestinians are showing us. And on the other hand, we are seeing those footages from the IDF and their very slick social media campaign. So um, I think that we're responsible enough in this day and age to be able to look at both sides of the narrative and establish what is fact. And the number of dead babies that we are seeing overnight, people talking about kids who are dying of hypothermia, those images of doctors treating people on hospital floors, I mean, cannot, that, that cannot be doctored. Um, just quickly then, um, in conclusion, Parashini, it's also the deaths of journalists, uh, journalists that have been killed um, since uh, the 7th of October, since um, Israel retaliated. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Um, yes, there have been lots of reports of journalists who have been killed. You know, Gaza, Gaza is a very densely populated area. So, of course, they have been working in areas which um, are being targeted by the Israeli military. 
also they don't have the same protections that we may have in South Africa. You know, uh, a lot of them are working without their vests. It's difficult to differentiate who's who, but there are also allegations that many of these journalists are being targeted to stop them from doing the work that they are doing. Um, like many people around the world, we are following the main content creators and influencers um, that are reporting from Gaza. And as you know, a lot of them start off their day with saying, hi, I'm so-and-so, it's this, this number of days in the war and I'm still alive. Or there's people who are going out doing their nightly work and saying how difficult it is to work at night, how the conditions are so dire that they would desperately like to get the story out, but they too are very, very concerned. Um, Audrey, I also wanted to tell you about, um, you know, what people are saying here about South Africa's decision mm. to go to the ICJ. Um, it's a very commendable one. And as a South African, it's somewhat of a very proud day because people are talking about this country, which is, you know, Nelson Mandela's country, which sits in the tip of the South, of the African continent, who's taking on this major issue. And there's lots of respect for what South Africa is doing, you know, in comparison to big global players. The Arab League, for example, has been has come under a lot of fire for their response or this lack of a proper response towards the Gaza crisis. So South Africa is being commended for their actions. And um, as a South African, you know, I mentioned that I've been working or started working on the Palestinian story more mm. than two decades ago. I was always welcomed. I was always welcomed, um, you know, and I got access to some very good interviews with high profile people and ordinary people. And it was because I was South African. And I was a young South African uh, because people, especially Palestinians, found strength in the South African um, struggle for freedom. They felt that if we could have overcome the atrocities of apartheid, they too could overcome um, occupation. So I'm sure in Palestine today, um, people are happy and they're commending. They were like, South Africa is standing up for us. Yeah. So I hope that this goes well. And as you said, tomorrow it would be interesting to see how it's covered by the rest of the world. Thank you so much for your time. Piroshni Governor there, international broadcaster based in Istanbul um, and also the business editor at the TRT World. And as she said there towards the end of her closing remarks is um, feeling proud, a sense of, you know, pride in being a South African on this particular day, also considering um, the moral stand, at least, that South Africa is taking with regards to what's happening in, in Gaza. 